All right, it's that time in the week where we visit our friends over at Black Locks Reporter because it's time to dig into those juicy little headlines where you don't often get the most attention on them, but they certainly are the important stories of the day. And that's where we find Tom Korski, managing editor. And, and obviously, this is the big story of the day. The fact that public health, that, you know, not at all prepared for the pandemic, but they were certainly um, ready to get their top uh, boss the $19,000 bathroom that she needed. So this is Christina Nemovsnovsky, uh, the woman who abruptly resigned in September, uh, just days before she was supposed to, you know, answer to this audit of the mismanagement of her agency. She made $273,000 a year, uh, uh, Tom, and then she boasted that they were ready. But what she didn't clarify was, I guess, they were only ready to have the uh, bidet ready, not not ready for a pandemic. This is gross. Alex, if there's ever a judicial inquiry into pandemic mismanagement, uh, Ms. Namusnowski will be the star witness. She was the person <laughs> in charge. She's the president yeah. of the Pandemic Preparedness Agency. She had, as you mentioned, a, an annual salary over a quarter million dollars a year. She had a chauffeur in a car. Apparently, it was a priority for the president of the public health agency to have an executive washroom uh, for use only by her at a $19,000 charge. What she was doing in there (laughs) was expertise in public health matters, which became readily apparent, which prompted uh, Ms. Namusnowski to resign abruptly. But she did not lose one penny, not one penny in pensionable earnings because they kept kicking her upstairs. She was uh, appointed to a no-account job immediately in the Privy Council office and then landed softly in the Department of Employment. This is a person who has spent 25 years in the public service, and they kept kicking her upstairs all the way up to the executive washroom class. Mm. And she must have had this ability with uh, uh, recruitment officers and cabinet ministers that Tina made them feel good. She was Mm. not good at her job. The economy was ruined. 26,000 people died. But Tina is going to be okay. You know what's interesting in Ottawa? No one ever names names. We love to name names. It makes people feel awkward, sometimes hot and angry. This is a person who has, to this date since she resigned, never been summoned for questioning about what exactly was going on at this public health agency. It's unbelievable. Well, that's because when it comes to this government, like the crap literally floats to the top. Like it doesn't ever get flushed out. It just goes up into a better job. You know, in Tina's case, I think this should be people always want to change the curricula in high school. I think there should be mandatory class. We could call it John Q. Sucker Taxpayer 101. And they should tell them Tina's story. Tina had a B.A. She got a job as an executive assistant to a deputy minister. And over the course of 25 years, rose all the way up to the chauffeured class with the executive washroom and a high salary, more than a member of parliament. And when it got hard, Tina quit. But she didn't lose any money. She didn't lose her pension. She didn't lose her salary. No one gets fired in Ottawa. It's the iron law, Alex. Yeah, it is. These are the stories that actually are the $16 orange juice, and they do piss people off. So we'll we'll see, maybe, 
if she ever has to answer for it. And then you've got this former liberal MP who is censured for nepotism um, because she hired her sister. This is Yasmin Ratanzi, who is the MP for Don Valley East. And she has been cited for breaching ethics, uh, which this government is incredibly challenged by. Um, and now she, she, you know, she did get expelled by the Liberal caucus, but she's arguing that her sister was a foster sister. So that can't really count, right? Like, seriously? The rules, <laughs> I mean, rules how does her sister feel about that? <laughs> the rules say you can't really hire immediate family, put them on. In <laughs> this case, her sister was on the payroll for eight years. And then when she had to fire the sister, she gave her over $9,000 in severance pay. Even that was too much for the House of Commons Board of Internal Economy forced her to pay the money back. But this was a, just a beautiful case of Philadelphia lawyering. She said, look at She's not really my sister. She was adopted. And in fact, I don't even think she's legally adopted. It happened in Tanzania a long time ago. So she was cheese pairing. She was cutting corners. But just the finest minute detail in the regulation she was looking for, apparently in a failed attempt to hang on to her seat, get some sort of redemption, get a return to the Liberal caucus. She used to be a committee chair. That's worth a $12,000 a year bonus. It was sad. It's It, it was sad and funny at the same time time. Yeah, I wonder what that family dinner will be like next time. Pass the butter rolls, uh, you know, jerk. You're not my sister. I mean, honestly, like throw the sister under the bus. That's pretty low. <laughs> Nonetheless, under the bus she goes. Then you've got Bill C-10. This is uh, the worst ever written bill that will probably go to the Supreme Court within five seconds of uh, getting through. But nonetheless, uh, they were there late last night with Heritage Minister Stephen Giebel trying to, you know, explain what he can't seem to explain. Um, and uh, they've got this thing pushed through. But one of his arguments, Tom, is, you know, that the CRTC uh, doesn't have the power to cancel programming, which is exactly what the CRTC has repeatedly done. That is what they do. They, they can very much do that. I mean, I mean, how does a bill so dangerous get through, pushed by someone so out of his league and dumb? It's an arresting moment whenever you find a cabinet minister, ordinary MPs, Look, at uh, often vote for bills they have not read the full text. Uh, legislators have very full days, so they work 70-hour weeks. Cabinet minister, mm -hmm. that's your job. Uh, I, ha I struggle to think of a heritage minister who's been more misinformed on the basic rules of baseball, and <laughs> and and that's Steve Gibo. Exactly that. He made the public pronouncement in in a, a a sad defense of this attempt to regulate legal internet content for the first time in Canada, by saying, as you mentioned, it's an entirely accurate quote. The CRTC doesn't have powers to regulate programming. Hey, McFly, uh -huh. <laughs> they, pull radio, they pull radio station licenses all the time. They, they have canceled licenses. We list them in our story. Mm. These are uh, licensees who are simply put out of business for defying CRTC orders. I don't know why Steve Gibo wouldn't know that, but he didn't. And it's fascinating to watch this guy bungle this bill that someone in the prime minister's office wants so desperately. You know it will end badly for Steve oh, Gibo. Yeah. He just it's, yeah. it's just not apparent right at the moment. Yeah, well, now it's in the Senate's hands, and God knows how they're going to, you know, clean up this, this mess. But 
Have at her. Uh, and I just wanted to quickly talk about this one because this is a, a pretty serious story because we're talking about Canada's national security. But Patty Hyde, again, going in front of this committee on China-Canadian relations, she's been told, hand over the documents as to why Chinese scientists sent Ebola to a Wuhan lab and explain why the Chinese military was allowed in this lab. And she won't release these documents. And that's because apparently it's a threat to us. She is so clueless to the fact that this is even happening, and yet releasing the documents is what's more dangerous than actually having them here. Cabinet has not been forthcoming on this. They've defied uh, three orders of uh, parliamentarians. These are orders passed unanimously to hand over records. This is not for public disclosure. This is for MPs' disclosure. MPs are the only people that taxpayers and constituents have. That's the only friend you have is your MP in Ottawa to advocate for you. MPs, when they issue an order, have the weight of a court order. They can send in the bailiff if they want to. Cabinet has said drop dead. We're not releasing those documents. To compound it, just this afternoon, the government House leader in the Senate said, you know, sometimes, and I'm quoting him, people sneak through. Security was great at that lab, but sometimes people sneak through. Are, mm. are you kidding me? Are, yeah, like, like Chinese know, military just kind of snuck in. They just, <laughs> they, they bypassed our, uh, our Kleenex security system. (laughs) I don't know how they did it. Stumped again. Uh, We know why. What's in that uh, package, ma'am? Oh, nothing. It's uh, certainly not Ebola. John Williamson, Conservative MP in New Brunswick Southwest, uh, uh, put his finger on it. He said they, Cabinet, did not know what was happening at that lab. It was left to the local lab managers and something public health and she was too busy building her bathroom the once again public health agency it's isn't it funny they're always at the scene of the crime yeah they're always at the scene of the crime but she was too busy like plotting out the master of what her like bidet and where the toilet would go and you know like she had other things to do i mean 675 million dollar budget that agency had alex two-thirds of a billion dollars a year it is crazy. All right, Tom, we'll keep an eye on that. And if anything else breaks, you know, I'll bug you. Thank you, Alex. No, thank you. That is Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. If you're not reading it, you should be because uh, it's a subscription based and it is worth every penny. Always.